Hey, Tyler Shields here, pastor of Rock House Baptist Church. I want to personally thank you for tuning in to our podcast today. We pray that the message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to be the person that God desires you to be. Be sure to check us out online at rockhousebaptist.org where you can find out more about how to connect, grow, and go. And now, today's message. I don't know about you, but uh, I was a, I was a little emotional with that music this morning. There was few, there was a few lines. I don't know what they're called in music because I don't do music. There was a few lines that just stood out to me, and I put it together all through from all three songs. That one song said, "He's the mountain I run to." How about that? Okay, he's a mountain I run to. Then there was one that said, uh, "His love chases me down." <laughs> just as good as it gets then it said he's a good good father I, I just I don't know I was trying to keep it together and then I went back and I said all that defines who I am it's all about him this morning that's what I want it to be all about is Jesus uh, before we get into it uh, he's not here this morning <laughs> and I gotta watch my mouth sometimes it gets me in trouble amen amen <laughs> Uh, but if there's ever a World War III or zombie apocalypse, Brother Brad Pennington has got your back. He's got more ammunition and guns than anybody I've ever seen. We went shooting with the men yesterday. He brought out a gun about the size of my iPad that you put in both hands. I thought it was a one-hand gun. Again, I don't know nothing about guns. He said, here, shoot this. And I thought, okay. He shot that thing, and it parted my hair, and it's still fixed this morning. <laughs> hey, buddy. John was back on the grill 15 yards, he hit the back of his head. Uh, but no, I had a great time yesterday, and Molly, I, I mentioned that because you talked about hope in the mountains, and you said something there that uh, if you don't know, if you don't have the words to say to somebody that you know, I think is how it came out, uh, which is a lot of folks in my life that's close to me. I want to tell them about the gospel, but it seems like every time I go to tell them, they run away. <laughs> uh, or I can't get the right words out. And uh, that's what that shooting was about yesterday. Because I went home, and on the way home, I rode with a gentleman. And he asked me a lot of good questions. And uh, I want you to please be in prayer. I won't mention him by name, but please be in prayer this morning that a life comes to Jesus. Because I think it's on the brink. So this morning, <coughs> we are going to be reading from Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. I'm not going to lie, I tried to keep it all together and it was just uh, a little too difficult so I had to break it down. Um, but I want this morning to be all about Jesus I had mentioned before uh, and, and not just about uh, him and what he done for us, but I'm here to tell you he can do a lot for you and through you if you'll just trust in him. Just a quick rundown, everybody in here, I probably should have skipped this because everybody in here has probably heard this, okay, what Apostle Paul's been through. Uh, we now know he's in prison. Okay, This is for someone who maybe missed a sermon or two, but he's in prison. He's writing what many scholars think is the most happy uh, letter in the New Testament. Okay, That's true joy. And that's what we're talking about this morning as I talk about rejoice is the title of my sermon. But just a few items of what Paul's been through. Okay, uh, He's been shipwrecked three times. I've read this once before, but I want to bring it home to you because... He has real joy in his heart. It says he was spending, he spent a full day and night at the sea. 
He was stoned, he was whipped, he was beaten with fist rods and words, which sometimes can be even worse than the others. He'd been scorned, he'd been chased, scandalized, and slandered. He's the focus of many riots, okay, death threats, and he survived a snake bite that just about got him. Says, yeah, what's awesome about Scripture, though, and Paul, is after all that, his focus is still upon one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. You know, as you read through Philippians or anything that Paul writes, he's got this joy that's, uh, that's just resounding. But one of the main things that seems to really get him down, maybe where his, some of his anxiety comes from, which we'll be talking about this morning, is the problems that he uh, sees in his young churches that he helped plant. And you know, as a growing church, those things do arise. But I pray that we keep focus upon God. Now, I want to jump into verses 1 through 3. But before we do that, <laughs> if you look at verse 1 in most Bibles, there's that word, therefore. And as pastor says, what's that therefore? So we have to back up just a little bit and go into chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. Okay? And the title of that chapter really is Knowing Christ in some of your Bibles or the One True King, which uh, may be my favorite chapter in the Bible. But Paul says in verse 20, he's talking to the citizens of Philippi. He says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, whom the power that enables him to bring everything, let me say that a little louder, everything under his control will transform our lowly, lowly bodies so that they will be like, so that we, I'm sorry, will be like his glorious body. Now that leads us into verse 1. So he's hit them with the, with the juice, I call it. He's given the real word. Then he says, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, verse 1, You whom I love and long for, my joy and crown. <laughs> Boy, he knows how to open it up, don't he? Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with, now I've studied this word here, Odea, it's not the E, the E's not in there, Odea, and I plead with Synthetia, I've tried that a million times, to be the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose name is in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. That's verse 4. I'm going to go on just a little bit. I will say it again. Rejoice. We'll come back to that a little bit later. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. <laughs> Good stuff. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He says, finally, brothers, verse 8. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Don't just put it in your backpack and never get it out. He don't say that, but I did. And the God, and the God of peace will be with you. Some Bibles may say, and the peace of God will be with you. Which takes me to my first point this morning. And you've heard this a bunch, and I heard Pastor and, and maybe Dan say this the other day. But let's keep it simple. The main thing 
is the main thing. Paul's in prison, as we talked about. And what's sad as I read this, Paul's having to be in prison and confront an issue that's in the church. But I love how Paul goes about it. He grabs her attention from the get-go. He says, whom I love and long for. You know, when you open a conversation, <laughs> sometimes before you correct someone, you might want to let them know you love them. And that's what Paul's setting up here. He disarms his readers. He don't go back and open up any old wounds that he has mentioned in chapters 1 through 3. He don't really point, say, hey, it's your fault while this commotion's going on. His focus is to put aside all their differences and to be in the same mind of the Lord. He gives them a command. He says, stand firm. Stand firm. Now, if you're standing, he really wants you to stand firm together with others in unity. He pleads with them. I'm just breaking the verse down a little bit. He pleads with them. He's giving them an urgent request. We don't know much about these women as we go on, but we know that they have a significant role in the churches in the community, big enough that it caught Paul's attention in prison, miles away. Okay? And what I love as you read on down through the verses, Paul then asks for help. Many scholars think that he's talking to Luke when he writes. Now, there's no true definition when he says, help those who have contended for the gospel beside of me. And I'm just going through these verses before we get into our next point. But I want to tell you this morning that Paul's giving an example of what we should be as a church. We should be able to ask for help when it's time for help. You know, we don't call, God don't call us to go through life alone, okay, battling this thing. If that was the case, um, you'd never make it. Even if you had all the arsenal that Brad had, you'd never make it in this life alone. God's paved the way. <laughs> and you know what I've noticed, and it's so true, and I've, I, I guess I've grown so much, I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm tooting God's horn through you all, through people like Brother Steve, Matt, Caitlin, uh, Brother John, and the list goes on. Molly, helping me grow, okay? Whether it was through confrontation, whether it was through uh, a love and a prayer. Miss Rosetta, Miss Mary, I know continually, continually, I know it, because when I lay down at night, I know who's praying for me. I know those two are continually praying for me, okay? Now, before we go on, keep in mind, Paul's hammering something home. He wants them to stay focused on one common goal, and that's to exalt Jesus. And that takes us to our second point. Choose to rejoice. As we get into some of the <laughs> most favorite verses people probably pull up in life, I want you to just keep in mind, choose to rejoice. Take Paul as an example. I'm going to read verses 4 through 7 again. It says, Rejoice in the Lord. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Or your graciousness, some Bible says. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Take everything you have, Paul's saying, and take it to who? To God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Here we see Paul gives that command to rejoice. Now, I'm going to go into a little bit about this rejoicing, okay? It's not just a happiness that comes from material things or uh, 
winning a ball game, which obviously Kentucky didn't do, okay? It's not just when your team wins. I'm going to piggyback off that a little bit, okay? This is a mental attitude, a life stance that Paul has, okay, that God has rewarded Paul with. It came from him. This joy actually derives from a conviction that you have, okay? Despite no matter the circumstances that you're in, we know God's in control, no matter what. No matter what. We'll talk about that just a little bit more. Paul talks about gentleness. <laughs> uh, and this would really hit me hard because when I looked up gentleness in the context of these verses, here's what Paul's saying. <laughs> and he's still hammering away at the leaders that's having the problems. Gentleness puts up with others people, other people's faults. When provoked, it will not seek revenge. Think about that. what that truly means. That's your thoughts that you have towards others, okay? Whether good or bad. One of the commentaries that I read, the author says this, and it really hit me when I started thinking about as my life gets older, okay, my girls grow up, and you never know when it's going to be your time to go home. The author said this, the end is nigh or near. When you have to resign all, when you have to answer for all, he says, be sure you bear with others now so that God may bear with you then. He goes on to say a little further, the spirit of hostility and bitterness in a church will fail to attract the outsiders to the gospel. If we're not <laughs> attracting others, what are we doing? Now, I prayed over that and I said, Lord, help me. Help me to attract others, whether it's walking down the hall at school, whether it's talking to a child, whether it's bringing in 50 or 60 boxes of instant mashed potatoes, whatever it is. Let's be sure we're shining the light for Jesus, bringing outsiders in. What's our goal? Go and make what? Disciples. That's it. If you don't hear nothing this morning, take that in. Takes me to my third point. This one's a, a little bit more applicable for today's time. It's say no to anxiety. Easier said than done, right? Anybody in here ever get anxious? I, I'll just tell you the truth. I was coming over here this morning. <laughs> I'm usually not a nervous guy, to be honest with you, unless you're holding that, that new gun that Brad's got. Don't know what it's going to do. But I, I had to, as I was going down the road, I had to talk to God. It was quiet in the car, and I said, God, here I am going to preach about anxiety, and I may be the most nervous and anxious person in the building because there's so many good nuggets in this. I don't want to miss anything. Paul chooses to say no. Notice I said Paul chooses to say no to anxiety. We need to be more like Paul. I almost need a shirt with that on it, Brother Dan. I remember, you know, as I studied a little more, I remember the time that Paul was in jail on a separate occasion. And again, he was in jail in Acts chapter 16 on a, bless his heart, falsely accused. That's what I would say. Okay, I'll give you a quick rundown. He was walking down the road and this woman with an evil spirit who was a fortune teller and her owners made money off her fortune tales. Okay, Paul cast the evil spirit out. Now the owners can't make money, and they go to the higher-ups, long story short. They go to the higher-ups and say, this man's not following the Jewish customs, okay, the Jewish and the Roman practices that we follow. Therefore, guess what they did? There goes Paul back into 
prison. But here's what I want to hammer home. Verses 25 and 26, Acts chapter 16. <laughs> oh, boy, this is joy. <clears throat> About midnight. And I got to thinking, how lonely am I at midnight sometimes? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening. I think that's so important. Suddenly there was such, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison were shaken. At once, the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. <laughs> the doors didn't just fall off. They didn't just open real squeaky and easy. They flew open. And whose chains come off? Everyone's. That's what the gospel will do. And if you're in here and you have no chains because you've been saved and washed by the blood, don't think your testimony or whatever you've got to say won't knock somebody else's off. That is. Amen. Paul's rejoicing brought freedom, not only to him, but to others. Now, it's easy to have, uh, say no to anxiety when all things are going good, right? Everything's going good. Okay. Um, my little girls didn't cry too hard this morning. I was leaving and my heart wasn't too broke. Okay. When your team wins, when you get a good birthday present, all right? When it doesn't rain on your vacation, how about that one? <laughs> but the truth is, if you've got real joy in your heart, you'll be able to rejoice and sing in those heartbreaking times. When adversity's at your feet, Paul knew this. Paul knew that the people at Philippi needed this. Paul had anxiety. After the end of all those things, he said when he was beaten, he said, but maybe the worst is the pressure of the churches that's on me. Now, I've come to kind of know this through study. Anxiety can be a good or bad thing. Oh, hear me out. What do you mean, preacher? Good or bad thing? Paul had anxiety for his churches, therefore he did what? <laughs> he went and he spread the gospel. Now that's not the anxiety that uh, tears you down or unhinges you or paralyzes you, okay? Because anxiety actually means to be pulled apart. But he knew that they needed the gospel. So he had this thing in the back of his mind. Anybody ever had that when you're witnessing to somebody? <laughs> On the way home I was going, I need to pull a tom. Let me ask you a question. You know, I was thinking that. But I thought, I don't, you know, I, there I go, I second guess myself. God, what, what do I need to say here? What do I need to do? Fortunately, I think we're going to speak with that person this morning. But when you have that joy, point four comes up, the peace of God. Let me go into a little more context. Paul knew that Philippi was basically a city of retired Roman soldiers. Okay, So when he said something like, guard your heart, he knew what that meant. He knew that the Philippians, they knew to guard something, meaning to stand on guard, to protect it from heavy invasion. And I mentioned that this morning. It's really important to us. Let me tell you why. I'm going to pull out two other important folks in the Bible by a man of Peter and David. Don't know if you know them. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about what they said about being on guard. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says this, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, 
prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. <laughs> Paul's saying that in so many words when he says, guard your heart. We've got to be on guard for ourselves. But also, Brother Mac, what I've noticed is you've got to have a good support team that will help you too. You've got to have that support team. You can't do it all alone. And I love that, uh, Brother Dan, you come up mind, and I think this is uh, something you said, and maybe Pastor. If the peace of God wasn't real, wouldn't you think one of those disciples say, Hi, just kidding, don't no need to kill me. I've got uh, something to get to. You know, but they knew it was real. They knew it was real. That's why they could stand up in the face of adversity. King David says this in Psalms 55, verses 16 through 18, and then I pulled out 22 because... I think it's so good. It says, As for me, I call to God, and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. He rescues me unharmed from the battle that wages against me, even though many oppose me. Verse 22, Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken. <laughs> I know there's many righteous folks in this building today because you believe the blood does what Jesus says it'll do. The righteous will never be shaken. Never be shaken. What I really hear in those verses is desperation. And if you're a Christian, you know that in your most desperate times is when you really come to who? <laughs> it's when you really come to God. Okay, when you're hosting a championship trophy, you might say, thank you, Lord, and then go on. But I'll be honest with you, it's when you ain't got nobody to turn to, when it's just you and him. That's when that peace, if you'll accept it, will come into your heart. Final point, control your mind. Now, Paul just don't uh, leave us to hang, hanging out to dry. He says in verse 8, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So think all that list, and Paul's wanting you to focus on that. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the peace of God will be with you. I read that, and I thought instantly in my mind, you know what can ruin a good day? My thoughts. <laughs> I can be having the best day there was and then I'll start thinking about tomorrow or I'll start thinking about tonight when I get home. All that I have to do, not that any man in here has a honey-do list or anything, okay? but I'll start to thinking all that I have to do in the spirit of God that I'm on a high with starts what? Starts coming down. My mind is my worst enemy. There's times I'll second guess everything. Uh, me and Brother Kyle, I'm going to pick on him this morning when he gets here. We're sitting in Sunday school in the morning. He says, man, I feel the Spirit. Sometimes I don't know what to do with it. A lot of us, are, we're all like that. I told him, don't feel like you're the only one. <laughs> but Paul shows us in this text how we can take our mind back and our thoughts. What is admirable? Think about it. Okay. What brings peace to God? Think about it. What would bring honor to God? Think about that. And as I was studying this week, I found a little, uh, <laughs> a little, I guess, illustration about this woman who was getting married. 
okay, and, and not that you women know anything necessarily about all the preparation that comes with marriage. I know we like to never got married before we got married, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but um, the woman had all, everything ready. She was all dressed up. She had her makeup on and whatever was going on there. And uh, she calls the pastor to the back and says, Pastor, I just, I just don't know. She says, I'm so afraid I'm going to mess this up. Her mind starts working on her. Pastor says, well, what are you worried about? You've, you've already made it this far. Surely you can go another, you know, 15 yards. She says, I just don't know. I'm afraid I'm getting cold feet. He said, well, listen to this. He said, let's keep it simple. If you're like me, you need a simple instruction. He said, first thing you've got to do is when this door flies open, thank the aisle. I've got to get to the aisle, right? I've got to get there, okay? When I get to the aisle, thank pulpit. I've got to get up to the front, to the pulpit. When I get to the pulpit, thank husband. I've got to grab my husband's hand. And he said, lastly, don't forget, I do. <laughs> he said, so let's keep it simple. I'll pulpit, husband, most importantly, I do. He said, as I was walking her down through there, she was going, ow, pulpit, <laughs> husband, I do. Ow, pulpit. Hey, they got married. Story says they live happily ever after like a fairy tale. But that's what Paul's saying. Whatever is admirable, think about it. Don't let anything creep in that shouldn't be there. Paul wants us to keep our eyes upon Jesus. <laughs> and what I love about the Bible, okay, as I, if, if somebody's going to open or close with the invitation, I'm almost there. What I love about the Bible is this. God took ordinary men like Mac, ordinary women like Jennifer, and he worked through them. And I think, really, if all he sent was Jesus, some of us would be a little bit second-guessing. And what I mean is this. When I read about Paul and all that he struggled, I can relate with that. And then I realized that Jesus did the same thing. Paul overcame it, not because he was Paul, but because he trusted in Jesus. I'll take it a step further. <laughs> Probably the most famous verse in the Bible, and I'm going to give you my version of it. God loves you enough. He loved you that much to give His only begotten Son <laughs> that whosoever shall believe will have eternal life. If you would, let's pray. Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. God, I thank You for all that You are who you allow us to become because we're defined by you. Father, I pray that we can take what we've heard today and truly rejoice no matter the circumstances. Father, I pray that we don't look upon ourselves. Father, that sometimes we don't even look upon our neighbors because they're fault. They, they make faults just like we do. They're not faultless. But Father, I pray that we solely focus upon Jesus and what he is and what he's done for us. Father, for somebody here this morning that doesn't know you, that doesn't have that peace that surpasses all understanding, all understanding, that's everything under the sun, I pray that they come running this morning, that all they can think about is hitting their knees and praying to you, Father. Lord, be with us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thanks again for tuning in today. And remember, the greatest decision that you could ever make is to place your faith in Jesus Christ for salvation and begin a personal relationship with Him. Again, thanks for listening. God bless.